Thank you for choosing to listen to our sermon podcast. My name is Chris Mitchell. I'm one of the pastors here at First Covenant Church of Anchorage. If you have any questions or prayer requests, feel free to stop by or send an email to office at anchoragefirstcovenant.com. God bless. Um, before we get started this morning, uh, I just want to share a, a quick little announcement. Uh, when, when I was in seminary, um, it, it was down in Seattle, but uh, I had a friend that worked at a church. It was, it was a very popular church in town, and they said that the neighbors around their church hated them. And I asked, why did, the, why did, why did your neighbors hate you? Because, you know, you want the church to have a good reputation. And he's like, well, it, it was a very popular church. And this is downtown Seattle, like by Green Lake, and uh, parking was just atrocious. And so they would park in the neighborhood and park badly. And so we are very full today, praise God. But please remember to be a good neighbor. Please remember to, to bless the people that live here and to bless one another in the parking lot. It's slippery out. Uh, we have elders also that you don't need the handicap and stuff parking and stuff like that so please make sure that that you're behaving yourself and holding yourself with integrity in the parking lot because it's hard sometimes right um okay that has nothing to do with my sermon it's just something i just felt spur up let's pray lord take these words and make them yours I pray that whatever needs to resonate, resonates, Lord. Whatever needs to fall away, falls away. But I pray that that your words, that your scripture, be written on our hearts so we can love you and follow you. In Christ's name, amen. Now, uh, am I on? Okay. Um, before we actually begin the sermon, we've been going over the little doxology that Peter wrote to summarize the main ideas in his letter in 1 Peter. So um, we're going to read this aloud, and this is 1 Peter 3, or sorry, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 5. So, up. there you go. All right, so let's read this aloud together. Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. All right. Now, um, in his uh, um, kind of autobiography, uh, Confessions, uh, St. Augustine wrote that as a young man, he would often praise, grant me chastity and continence, but not yet. And uh, I love that quote. Um, you, know, you know, God save me from sin, but... Let me finish sinning first. Uh, isn't that relatable? Um, Augustine wrote that approximately 1,600 years ago. But many of us have the same attitude. Uh, 
how many of us have done something that we felt like we shouldn't do? And maybe even felt bad while we were doing it? And keep probably can see yourself like, this is the last time, but you can still do it. I mean, how many of us have ever cheated on a diet? And as you're cheating, you're telling yourself, just as soon as I finish this gallon of ice cream, it's gonna go to waste, right? Or, or this is an example from real life. Um, as many of you know, I, I give up media for Lent, um, but my wife and kids have been out of town for spring break, and uh, I confess I've been watching Netflix. Because uh, I was like, oh, I have, I have the TV to myself, I have space for myself, and, uh, and I got, in, got into the show Manifest, and so I was, even as I was writing the sermon, and I'm like, you know, talking about this very topic, I'm thinking, can I finish that show before they get back? You know, um, right? Lord, save me from my sins. But not yet. But not yet. The world, huh? The things of this world look appealing. But as it says in Proverbs 14, 12, there's a way that seems right to a person, but its end is the way of death. Uh, today we're going to continue to look at the struggle to keep our identity, our discipleship rooted in Christ, in a world that's always, the world's always trying to assert its authority over us. And so we're going to be breaking it up in two parts. Um, so part one, we're, we're in chapter 14, four right now, so we're going to be looking at verses one through six, and then we're going to go over through seven and eleven. So beginning with First Peter 4, one through six. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgy, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless wild living, and they heap abuse upon you. But they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason, the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to human standards in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. Um, last week, at the end of chapter 3, uh, Peter, Peter ended that chapter with a reminder that when a person, person uh, gives their life to Christ, Christ takes it. Um, the old self is dead, uh, crucified with Christ, but a new self is resurrected, a new person. And as, as we've been celebrating for the past few weeks, right, every baptism is a funeral and a new birth, right? The old has passed, but too often... We return to the things that should have been given up, things that should have been passed. Uh, Paul wrote something similar in, uh, in Romans chapter 6, really the whole chapter, but um, I'm not going to read the whole chapter. I'm just going to read verses 3 through 4. Or don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Peter and Paul, they remind us, they remind Christians to live as those words are true, to live like it's real, right? If the old self is dead, let it be dead. Let it be dead. 
don't let sin rule you. Don't let your desires control you. And, and, and that's, that's the way most people live, right? That's the way most of us live, trying to fill the various needs that we feel like we have, right? We're trying to fill the needs. I mean, we all do that. Um, when my wife and I, when we sit down to budget, we go through like, all right, these are our needs. This is what we have to have. These are the things we cannot do without. These are our essentials. That is the way we naturally behave. That's the way of the world. That's the way of the world. Peter is reminding us once again, once again, that we're not to follow the ways of this world. The kingdom of God, it's not about making sure that we fill all our needs. It's about following God, making God's will the priority. And so Peter suggests, he, he, he tells Christians to do something revolutionary. Don't start with what you need. Don't start what you think is important. Don't start what you think you can't do without. Don't spend your time focused on achieving all those things you think you have to achieve. Don't center your life around what you need. Focus your life on God's will. Okay? What have you been called to do? Okay? God has a plan for you. Are you living into that plan? Right? That's where a Christian should start. That should always be the focus. Are we living into God's will? What has God called me to do in this place? Who has God called me to be in this situation? How would God have me respond when these things happen? Where does God want me to be? That's how our lives should be focused. Not on what we think we want, what we think we can't do without, but where God would have us, what God would have us do. Because there's always going to be another need. Always. There's always going to be something else that's essential, that's a priority. Right? That's, that's one thing that I've known, um, especially as I've gotten into ministry. There is always like one priority after another. And you can get drug around by your priorities. I'm sorry, I was like pulling my nose, like pulled around by your nose, like around this priority or that priority. But instead, focus on what God wants. A Christian is not called to give God the leftovers of our life. And too often, that's what we do. We just give him the leftovers. We give God the scraps. All right, this is, this is what I don't need. Here, you can have that part. This is what's left over. God deserves our first fruits. Our first fruits. The best of what we have, not the odds and the ends. Because our priorities, our priorities reflect our heart. Right? Our priorities, they say what's important to us, what we deem to be essential. And if our needs, what we perceive um, to, to be our needs comes first, then our hearts have turned that need into an idol. Uh, and Peter illustrates this strongly with his list of sins. Debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. Okay, and this is a weird list of sins. Um, so, because I can honestly say like, yeah, I've not done that, 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 and that. You know, I can, I can check it off. No, I'm safe. Um, so there's three sins involving sex, two that involve alcohol, and one is about a false god. But why, why these sins in particular? They were chosen because they reflect, they're associated 
with the, the cultural worship practices of the day. All right? Peter was telling folks, don't follow the idols of your culture. Right? And the, don't follow those practices of the culture. You've spent enough of your life doing that. You've spent enough of your life doing what everyone else has done. Right? Don't follow the idols. Don't spend your life on things that everyone around you says are important. Don't spend your life chasing after what culture says you need. Instead, you've been given a new life. Make that based on God's will. And yes, that will make you strange. That might make you seem a bit odd. It might make you seem weird even. even. But uh, everyone, every one of us, will have to give an account to where our affections lie. Right? We're going to all have to say, this is where my affections lie. Is it with Jesus or with the gods of this world? To whom do you give your allegiance? Who do you give your allegiance to? People, if you claim to follow Christ, then let us follow Christ. If you've been reborn into the kingdom of God, we need to stop acting like we belong to another kingdom. Because we've been called to something more beautiful. Right? A more excellent way. A way that's based on self-sacrifice. A way that's based on service. A way of life that's based on forgiveness. A way of life that's been based on grace. A way of life based upon love. You're called to a more beautiful life than anything the world has to offer. So Peter tells us, he reminds us that Christ offers life. Stop flirting with death. Um, let's move on to the next part of the scripture. First Peter 4, 7 through 11. The end of all things is near. I gotta say, that's like the best sentence. I love that sentence. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gifts you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Peter lets people know the end of all things is near. We never know, right? right? We never know when everything's going to come crashing down. We don't know that. We never know when things are going to fall apart. We never know when the unthinkable is going to happen. And those things happen. They do. The end of all things is near. Disaster could be just around the corner. We don't know. So make sure your life is focused on what you're supposed to be doing. Don't wait. Do what God's called you to do now. Now is the time to follow him. Don't get distracted. Stay focused on Jesus. Make God's will a priority. Not what you think is important. Because the end of all things is near. Keep your head on straight. Be ready and pray. Don't get distracted. The world will do what the world does. That's not your business. Your business is to be in God's will. Your business is to be like Jesus. And Jesus loves. He forgives. He serves. Right? First Peter chapter 2 and 3 talked about a lot about how a Christian should follow God. Slaves follow the example of Jesus. Women follow the example of slaves. Men follow the examples of women. 
Don't let your social, societal privilege get in the way of your discipleship. Don't let it destroy your spiritual life. Instead, follow God's will. And what is God's will for your life? To forgive, to serve, to love. Whenever people ask me what God's will is for their life, I always tell them, like, you know, because people, because that's one of my jobs, right? I'm a pastor. Like, I don't know what God's will is for my life. I don't know what I should do. I always say, that's easy. Do what looks like Jesus. That's God's will. That's it. Become like Jesus. Don't get so stuck on each like little step that you're taking that you don't pay attention to where those steps are leading you. Do the things that make you more like Jesus. Right? And when we do, don't do this by ourselves. We do this in community. We don't do it alone because it's hard to be different by yourself. Sometimes you need to be around your own people to remind you of your worth and your identity. Um, that's actually one of the, the powers of the ethnic churches, I, I believe. Right? Churches that are predominantly made up of folks that are not part of the majority culture. There's incredible beauty in ethnic churches, um, immigrant churches. There's, that's, that's one of the reasons why, uh, there's a reason why a lot of immigrants find their way into churches. I don't know if you know this, but um, immigrant churches are awesome. They're awesome, right? Because um, imagine it. All week long, you're surrounded then with people that look different from you. All week long, uh, you're, you're surrounded that, around people that might look down on you or, or look at you strangely because you look different or talk different or, or eat different food that smells weird or has strange customs. But once a week, you get to gather, at least once a week, you get to gather with people where you can hear your own language being spoken, where you get to sing your own songs, where you can let yourself be you, where you're not judged for looking different, for not speaking the language, or because people think your food smells bad, right? Once a week, you get to be someplace where you're respected, included, and valued. Isn't that beautiful? Right? Gosh, it's no wonder there's so much power in the immigrant church, why it's so attractive. Right? A lot of immigrants, they come over, they come, when they come to America, they, they find the ethnic community ready to receive them, right? Because they're hungry for community. And, and this is just a side note, but praise God that we're a multi-ethnic church. All right? We may not do it perfectly. We can be a lot better. But praise God for people like Curtis, Ivanov and, and Jane and Richard Atuk who try to bring elements of the culture into the service and we're part proud to be part of a community that tries to give space to expressions of worship from every nation and tribe. Alright, back to the servant. I think we forget that ultimately our, all of our churches should be like immigrant churches because we're all supposed to be foreigners and exiles in the culture. So all of our churches should be immigrant churches because we are told that we are not of this world. And if we're just reflecting the values and the culture of the dominant society, then we're missing the mark. We're missing the mark. Because we gather, we gather because we're supposed to be different. And in this time, in this space, we're to remind one another of our true home, of our true home, right? We're to encourage one another of our kingdom values. We are to spur one another on to love and good deeds. Right? Like it says in Hebrews. Right? This is supposed to be a safe place, like a, a respite from our work out there where we're different and weird. Oh, I can be someplace with my own people. I can, I can, I can speak in a language that praises God where I can confess my, my struggles to, to serve God in this culture. Right? And you can get encouragement as we, as we go out as you go out into the world, right? That you belong to a different kingdom.
You belong to a different culture. And that is your place. That is your home. So, let's actually close with that. Um, We're going to take a minute. Move from, going to move from your seats. Um, Don't talk to your family. I mean, you know, you can talk to your family other times. Um, But, uh, but talk to somebody and tell them. Encourage them. Maybe somebody you don't know, even. And tell them to keep it up. To keep going. Jesus loves them. You can do it. Let them know that God believes in them. They can do it. Encourage them. Right? You don't know what's been going on in their week. Spur them on. You made it. You survived. Praise God. Let's do it again. All right, so that's what we're going to do. Everybody, stand up. We'll take, up, we'll take like, I don't know, three or four minutes. Just, just go encourage one another. Because this is what we should be doing, right? This should be a part of the church, right? This is, this is a very, very important part of the church. This is an important part of the gathering. And if you slip in and out, you miss the blessing of what a church should be. So uh, encourage one another, right? Keep it up. God's called you to something more beautiful, to a richer world. Leave that old life behind. Right? You've been graced with a new one. 
Curtis, will you lead us in our last song? <laughs>